Tampa Bay's Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Can you dig it? Do you know? Would you care to let Not since the Ten Commandments. If you liked covered wagon. Beyond from here to eternity. can't be the Marx Brothers, they're too young. Columbia Pictures presents The Monkeys. Mickey, Davy, Mike, Peter in Head. That's right, Head. What's it all about? Only Victor Mature's hairdresser knows for sure. Are you kidding? <laughs> Looks like a nice guy, and I like his smile. Go on, see if you can hit me, just once, just once. Don't, Davy. Please is the most extraordinary adventure western comedy love story mystery drama musical documentary satire ever filmed quiet numbskulls i'm broadcasting hi this is michael monarch the original guitarist from steppenwolf and you're listening to nostalgic radio and cars rock on Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to the Nostalgic Video and Cars. I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioandCars.com, where we store and save and archive all our past shows. 
Good evening, Bobby. How you doing? I'm doing just well. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. And uh, 600-something shows. 600-something shows. Yeah, well, hey, and uh, good evening to Matt. Matt yep, is going to be the uh, new production Hello. engineer. <laughs> Hello! 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 And, uh... Let's see. What else? Any shout-outs? Any, huh? any, car sh- any FLA all right, car so show well, things? Well, all right. So this weekend we have the Toe Show, Florida Toe Show over in Orlando. Okay, that's just that's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then, of course, we have Bear Jackson in West Palm Beach, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then up in, uh, is this the third sat- third Friday of the month? It is, isn't it? I think. It, uh, or is it most, this? No, no, not, not the Friday. It's the third Saturday of the month. Oh. But the second Friday of the month. Okay, so. and then at the end of the month, in uh, in uh, this is April, right? This is April. April, okay. And the end of the month in uh, Atlanta, I wrote America, or no, wrote America, wrote Atlanta, I believe, is the HSR Historic Sports Car Racing Walter Media Event. And then also, if I can figure out how to get up there, up in Hershey, Pennsylvania, Hershey or Carlisle, Hershey, Hershey, they're close. Anyway, is the all Porsche swap meet, which I may end up going to that as well. So that is an update. Okay, big shout out to uh, my friends over there at the uh, Largo Shoe Repair because he's just trying to heal my soul. Har, har, har. And, uh, oh. oh no, he's fixing my shoe. <laughs> we big shoe. Healing you. Shoe tonight. And, uh, oh yeah, and a fine, fine, fine happy Easter to everybody. This uh, belated Easter, I should say, because this past weekend was Easter. And, um, and then a big shout out to Jim Terry. You know, he's guitar lessons for old guy, but, you know, Jim Terry music up there in uh, Palm Harbor. He's got a good selection of vintage. Well, not so much vintage, but he's got some cool guitars up there and uh, and drums and amplifiers and comes other cool stuff. And then, of course, big shout out to my friends down at St. Pete Guitars. They do have a lot of vintage guitars and amps and stuff. And both of them fix guitars. So if you, got, uh, if you need a luthier, kind of, um, those guys can probably set you up and put the super tune, you know on your guitar anyway on that note since we're talking about music and we're going to continue with part two with our very good friend henry diltz this evening so i'm looking forward to that and i'm sure he's anxiously waiting for our phone call so on that note bobby's going to fire up the stereo all right let's fire it up let's fire it up and uh we got a new board we got new equipment we got a new uh, sound system we got new everything well we're gonna have a new board engineer so wow we're all set so you then in. we'll bring back the a track then we'll bring back the a track and the quad track and the this track of that track and uh, all kinds of tracks and race tracks but anyway you're tuned into nostalgic grade one cars and uh, what do we got queued up here bobby oh man oh man this is a little neil young and uh, of course our guest uh henry dills is good friends with neil young did some photography with him and you tune into nostalgic grade one cars don't touch that dial we'll be right back with uh, music legend and photography legend Good coin. 
this is Neil Young, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, Neil Young again. How about that? What a coincidence. But anyway, it's time to introduce uh, part two, and uh, the legendary musician and photographer with 800... Thousand photographs? Wow, that's amazing. Two hundred album covers. I'm pretty impressed. And uh, with uh, musical celebrities, The Doors, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Lung, America, and the Monkees, I'm delighted to welcome back to Nostalgic Radio and Cars my new bestest friend, Henry Dills. Henry, how are you this evening? Pretty good. Robert, doing real well. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, let's pick up kind of where we left off. And probably one of the things we want to focus on a little bit this time is let's talk a little bit about the Morrison Hotel Gallery. Tell us a little bit about that, how that came to fruition. I know you were good friends with the Doors sure. back in the day, but tell us how this whole thing came about. Yeah. Well, um, you know, <laughs> when we started the gallery, we didn't have a name for it. Some, some friends of mine um, said, you know, Henry, we ought to have a little gallery for you. And so we found a little storefront in New York, in Soho, and we put all my pictures on the wall. And one day we, we just happened to put the Doors, uh, you know, the Morrison Hotel album cover photograph in the front window. A great big blow-up of it. And uh, my partner and I were across the street watching people walk by, and they would stop and look at that photo and then walk in the store. And, and it was like a magnet. And so I said to my, to my partner, Peter, look how beautiful the lettering is on that photograph in my, our window. And then look up on our, the top of our window, it's blank. We got nothing, you know? <laughs> and he said, you, that, you know what? I'm going to get a sign painter and have him write Morrison Hotel on the window just to kind of echo that photograph, you know, to, pay it, to get attention, you know, draw attention to it. And so, I mean, that, then, it, of course, that became the name of our, of our gallery. We, we, we didn't mean to call it that. It was just an accident, but, but a happy accident. Now, because, did you, you know, it says, it says, you know, rock and roll music, the kind of, you know, the music we listen to without saying rock and roll. I never liked it to say rock, rock photos, rock and roll, you know, because, I don't know, The Doors, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor... I don't think of that as hard rock. You know, that's singer-songwriter stuff. So Morrison Hotel was a great name for our gallery. Did you have to go through any kind of licensing or anything like that through the Jim Morrison estate? or? Yeah, No, because, you know, the day we photographed that, it was a real hotel in in downtown L.A., near Skid Row. Right. It was a real hotel that Winos used to go sleep it off in. Um, and so I know the record company had to pay the hotel owner, you know, 500 bucks or something so we could use it on the cover. And then we had to do a title search. And it turns out there is a Morrison Hotel in, in Ireland, uh, but there wasn't a retail space called Morrison Hotel Gallery. So we were able to, you know, get that copyright, that name. Okay. Tell us about your partner. Now, Rich Horowitz was involved, and Rich has got a kind of an extensive background as far as record stores and a little bit with music and stuff. Now, right. tell us a little bit about Peter. Yeah, there were two. Well, Peter uh, worked at Capitol Records in okay. the 80s when I took a lot of photos for them, and he was in the video department. 
And uh, we used to hang out. One day he said, well, Henry, you have Super 8 movies of Woodstock. He said, why don't you let me put, you know, digitize those and make it, make it, make a tape of it. And uh, that was kind of the start of our collaboration. And um, that somehow he, he uh, we did a video, uh, we did a, we did a CD-ROM called Under the Covers, which was an album cover um, CD. And there was a lady there, the, the rights lady, the music rights lady, said, you know, you guys ought to meet this guy, Rich Horowitz. He just had, he just had an inkling we would like to meet him because, because, you know, he dealt in album covers. Okay. And so, yeah. So Peter met him, and, and, and I met him, and Rich Horowitz, great guy, and he had a huge... A uh, used record store in San Diego, the biggest one there, and and he also sold John Lennon lithographs on the road for the for the Lennon estate for Yoko. And when we met him, he said, "You know, I've always wanted to try selling photos on the road with pop up things of, of of actual photos as well. You know, beyond the John Lennon lithographs." And so we said, "Well, let's give it a try." And we spent a year going to major cities in the country we'd spend a four-day weekend at a shopping center or a hotel or something and uh we had lots of people would come and um rich horowitz had been doing the lennon thing for 10 or 12 years so he knew all the radio stations all the tv stations all the newspaper reporters in every city so it was perfect. We, you know, we go into a city and blanket it with PR, and we get hundreds and hundreds of people coming down for the weekend. And I, I got it was great. And then finally, we opened a, a storefront in in New York, and then we opened one in LA, and that's the second one. And we have a third one in Maui. Um, uh, it, it's it's at Fleetwoods. It's called Fleetwoods. It's um. Uh, Mick Fleetwood has a club in La Hunter, Maui, so we have a little gallery there, and it's doing really well. We're selling a lot of pictures. And, you know, in the early days, it was only my pictures. So you'd walk in, and they would be all pictures of my Laurel Canyon friends, um, and we'd have, we'd have music playing. We'd have Jackson Brown and Paul McCartney and Joni Mitchell, you know, playing on this. And uh, people would walk in, and they would say, oh, my God. This is my whole life, huh. you know, hundred pictures on the wall. And then one day, Peter, my, you know, there's three of us, Rich, Peter, and I. And, and Peter said, you know, Henry, we ought to have a second photographer. Because then we could have a big opening and send out invitations. And he said, who among all your fellow photographers would you like to have in here with you? And I said, Jim Marshall, because he was my... He was my guru, you know, from San Francisco. He was uh, he was the first kind of real album cover photographer that, that, that made a name for himself, I think. And uh, we, so we had a big opening, and lots of people came. And then we added another photographer, Bob Gruen. And then we had, added Neil Preston. And then we added Danny Clinch. And then we have so today, we have 125 photographers we represent. Wow. So it's grown. <laughs> Yeah. So, the pictures. Now, are a lot of them color, or are they black and white, or they, I mean, and what did you prefer to shoot back in the day? Well, you know, they're both, really. They're, 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 I'd say half and half. 
it, back in the day when I started taking pictures, I only shot color because because they were transparencies, and I and I like to have slideshows. I mean, before I ever did an album cover, I would take pictures of all my friends up in Laurel Canyon, and on the weekend we'd have a big slideshow, you know, a party, uh, and. Um, and so I, I, I had no use for black and white because I couldn't project that as a slide. Um, but then as I started taking musician photos, they needed black and white for publicity. And so today, I mean, I have about half and half. And um, even though I say, I mean, color is what I always liked, so I could project it in a slideshow, the black and white is kind of evocative, you know? You look at the black and white and that, there's something about it that's that's that, that really kind of catches you. You, I don't, I don't know. It, maybe you, there's an element missing that you have to fill in your own mind or something. So, so you get involved in it more. I believe the black and white. When you when you take some of those pictures, you know, we were talking about framing pictures last week, uh-huh. and yeah. we were talking a little bit about you know catching the, that you know that Kodak moment, catching somebody at the right time. Let's say you're doing some black and whites, you know, and you're trying to get you know the, that organic shot. Do you tell yeah. do you talk to the to the person that you're taking mm-hmm. pictures of? Do you tell them ahead of time you want this type of look, this type of expression or or and no, then No, 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 no. No? <laughs> no, 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 no. I I mean, I'm Basically, I, I document, you know. Okay. I mean, I want to be that fly on the wall, you know. Actually, I might have said it before, but my Chinese animal is the tiger. And the tiger likes to hide in the bushes and watch the other animals. Uh-huh. So I think that, that's that's kind of my approach, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, I just like to watch and see what happens. And when it really looks good, then click. I take the picture. Of course... There's two kinds of photos. There's the kind where you're just documenting something that's really happening, and then you wait until it looks right. Uh, and then there's the other kind where it's like the group shot, where you, you have to say, okay, you guys, you know, stand over there against that wall. You know? And, and I, don't, I don't like that. But, I, but one thing I never do is shoot in a studio with lights and a backdrop. So, so I, I like, you know, God's light. I like to just, I like real life. Okay. Now, I, my notes say here 800,000 photographs. That's over a period of what time? Well, is that is that correct? Well, you know, I, well, I, I would say I've taken well over a million. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, counting digital, I mean, my gosh, uh, I, I'd probably take, I don't know, let me think, 100 pictures a day. I mean, I take thousands of pictures just about every week, certainly every month. They're not all album covers. They're not all famous people. I mean, I photograph stuff just walking down the street, you know. <laughs> but in all, I mean, I probably have closer to two million photos. Wow. Counting all the, counting the digital, I mean, it was all film until 2005. And, and I said, I'm a film guy. I will never go digital. <laughs> and, then I up, and then I picked up my friend's Canon. I used a Nikon. I picked up this digital Canon, and I looked through, and I said, wow, this is focusing itself. It's taken its own light reading. This is amazing, you know. And I switched to digital right then. So I have a foot in both worlds, you know. I mean, up to 2005, there's about a million 
film photos. And now, since 2005, it's got to be approaching a million digital. Because you, you sort of take more when you're shooting digital because because there's no film expense. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, so if I walked into the Morrison Hotel Gallery and I saw a picture of Jim Morrison on the wall or I saw a picture of, uh, yeah. you know, Stephen Stills or, or Neil Young or somebody like that, what can, mm-hmm. I, what can I expect to pay for a picture? How much... How big would it be? Um, obviously, it's a copy, right, or a print of some kind. I mean, yeah. tell us a little bit about how well, it would go about getting a picture. Yeah, I mean, it's a photographic print from a negative. I mean, now those historians, I mean, you know, when it's Neil Young and Stephen Stills and Jim Morrison, I mean, those are all in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s. So that's all film. So it's a, it's a photographic print from the negative. Right. And and they they you can get them any size. I mean, we start at eight by ten, right? And then eleven by fourteen, sixteen by twenty. Uh, it's thirty by forty, forty by. You can have a forty by sixty. I mean, that's as big as your dining room table. <laughs> but if you have a little space, you know, you can do it. And they range from a couple hundred bucks up to a, a few thousand bucks. You know, um, and and that's my pictures. I mean, we as I say. We have 125 photographers, and the prices are similar, but some guys some guys charge more. It's up to them, really. Okay. And then there's a thing, there's a thing about editions, you know. You say, well, I'm only going to print 100 of these, and you're getting number 11 over 100. Okay. And then some people say, you know, I'm only going to print 25 of these, so you're getting 23 over 25. And it costs a lot more because there's only 25 of them in the world. Okay. But, but mine, I usually, you know, say a couple of hundred because I want to think that more people will be able to buy them. Okay. Um, let me throw a name out at you. Um, Tom O'Neill, photographer, did an album cover. Does yeah. that ring a bell? Do you know Tom? Oh, very well. Sure. Well, I met Tom yeah. at uh, Pebble Beach a few years back because he was doing. He's up there taking pictures, and he's and kind of a very formal looking kind of guy. At least it was at there. So we got to talk a little bit, and then he started telling me about uh, how he used to take pictures of uh, you know like rock and roll guys back in the day, and he did an album cover. And he says, "My claim, yep. the f- my claim, the fame is I was at the Monterey Pop Festival." And the day before, when Jimi Hendrix is on stage, I didn't have a real good shot, so I wanted to switch with this other photographer. I switched with this other photographer, and get lo and behold, I got a pull in my way, and I can't get Jimmy burning the guitar on the stage. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Tom O'Neill, you know, his name used to be Tom Gundelfinger. Okay. But, and, and so I did the first Crosby, Stills, uh, Nash album. And he did the second one, Deja Vu. No kidding. Which was Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. That's right. But you won't see the name Tom O'Neill on that album. You'll see Tom Gundelfinger. Oh, interesting. Interesting. But, he's, you know, he said he had trouble with that last name all of his life, so he married a lady named O'Neill, and he took her name. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. It, was more, more com- it was more commercial. You yeah. know? I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a lot easier to pronounce, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. He's great, a great friend and a great photographer. Yeah. Well, well, tell him we said hi and you were on the show. So I just. Uh... Yes, I will. I will. Good. All right. So um, let's go back to like. All right. So if is so. 
Morrison Hotel Gallery is there's a website for that and so if people want to find out more yep. about it they can go to that website and yep. all the details are there correct yeah it's just morrison hotel gallery.com you gotta remember to put gallery in there dot com and then you can look at all the photos that 125 guys took you know okay. and like i said it used to be it used to be just the laurel canyon singer songwriter things that i had but now I mean, we've got, you know, heavy metal and punk and hip-hop and, you know, every kind of music is represented by all these different photographers we have. It's, it's pretty cool. Now, are there album covers in there, too, in the, in the photography? Well, there are photos that were used on album okay. covers. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like I have the picture of Crosby, Sills, and Nash sitting on the couch... It doesn't say, it doesn't have the lettering on it that the album cover has, but it's the same photo. Okay. Okay. Now, when what, what is the most popular photograph that that gets sold? In other words, what's your top selling, let's say your top yeah. two or three selling photographs? Well, well, it's it's kind of the people. I mean, we you know, we sell a lot of doors. Incidentally, that the um, album cover for Morrison Hotel has the lettering on it automatically because that was on the window when I took the picture. Right. So when you buy that photo, you're actually getting exactly what looks like the cover. Only bigger because the cover is square and the photograph is rectangular. So so that the, the album cover cut off a little bit on the left and the right of the actual photo. Okay. The photo looks even cooler, yeah. Okay. Um, but that, let's see, what was the question again? The, your your top-selling photographs. In oh, other yeah. Words. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of people. I mean, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Joni Mitchell, Jimi Hendrix, Neil Young. You know, those, those are the ones that sell a lot. People really love Joni Mitchell um, and Neil Young. I don't know, but... You know, people want to put their hero on the wall. Okay. You know, I had, I had a friend of mine, he bought a great big friend of Jerry Garcia, because he lived up in San, in San Francisco, he was a deadhead, uh -huh. and he moved to L.A., and he said, you know, Henry, I bought a huge print of that and put it over my, my mantle in the living room, and when I walk in the door from work at the end of the day, I open the door, and that's the first thing I see, and I just go, ah... You know, it puts me in a place, you know. So that's, so people like to put their favorite, you know, person, uh, and then they remember that music. I mean, you know, God, music is so, such a huge part of our lives, right? Uh -huh. So I think people put their heroes on the wall to make, to make that music play in their head. So how, uh, let's go back to the Doors a little bit. How much interaction did you actually, because the, the Doors lived in, in Laurel Canyon, do you have any uh, Doors stories? Well, you know, they lived in different places. I mean, uh, Jim Morrison famously lived in a motel down in Hollywood. Uh huh. Um, every, everyone moved around, everyone lived in Laurel Canyon at one point, and I would see them play in the clubs. I mean, actually, you know, before I picked up a camera, I was in a, in a a group, a folk rock group. Right. And so we, we played the same Hollywood clubs for a while that the Doors played in. And I would see Jim. I knew him as a fellow musician. But he was a very quiet guy, you know. I remember walking into a store one time. He was in there with his girlfriend. And I knew him. But, I mean, he, he just nodded. 
you know, cock his head kind of wink and nodded, hey, man, how you doing? He wasn't the kind of guy who would come running up and say, hey, man, guess what happened to me? Blah, 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 you know. Uh-huh. He, he wasn't He wasn't demonstrative. He was a poet. He was more bemused, is the word I, 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 I say, you know, internally amused. Uh-huh. Like he was always watching, watching, like a poet. And you could, you know, it's so... I spent a couple of whole days with them when we were shooting that album cover and then shooting publicity photos uh, in Venice out of the beach. And I mean, I don't think I had a, any kind of a conversation with Jim. Ray Manzarek now, on the other hand, the keyboard player, he spoke like a college professor. And he had an opinion about everything. And you get into a lot of, you know, a lot of discussions with him. You know, and John Densmore and Robbie Krieger were regular guys, regular musicians, you know? You could have conversations with them, tell road stories and stuff. But Jim always sat and listened. It's yeah. kind of so funny. It's unusual. Uh-huh. I don't remember a real conversation with him. Did you ever take any photographs of them when they played at the Whiskey A Go-Go? Or was it l- kind of later for you with yeah. them? Well, you know, the first year I had a camera, I took a picture of them from up, up in the balcony. Uh-huh. And um, I actually was have, had a slideshow on the wall while they were playing. And I had a picture of a toilet with flames coming out of it. Someone had <laughs> squirted lighter fluid, lighter fluid in the toilet, put a match in it, flushed the toilet, and the flames shot up out of the toilet. So... It was a flaming toilet picture, <laughs> and, I took, and so I was actually photographing my slideshow. But in the corner of the picture are the doors, and just then Jim, Jim, Jim Morrison was singing, "Come on, baby, light my fire." Oh wow! <laughs> that, that was, was a, a that was moment. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump over to uh, Woodstock. What was Woodstock like for you? I mean, you were basically, from what I read, you were the like official photographer for Woodstock? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> these things happen very in a simple way, you know. Uh, my good friend Chip Monk, his name is Edward Herbert Beresford Monk, but all of his friends called him Chip. So Chip Monk was the lighting guy at Woodstock, and, and I'd worked with him during the folk days in concerts, you know. And he called me one day and he said, Henry, we're having a huge show out here this summer, a big concert. You ought to be here. And I said, well, Chip, I've read about it, but I don't really know those people. I don't know how to get a photo pass. And he said, well, I'll talk to uh, the producer. And the next day, Michael Lang called me and he said, here's what he said. Chip says we need you. I'm sending you an airline ticket and $500. Click. Wow. <laughs> and that was two or three weeks before the actual concert. So the festival. So I went out there and spent a couple of weeks photographing, you know, the building of the stage and the campgrounds and all the stuff that went on. And it was really like summer camp, you know. Upstate New York, you know, beautiful summer days, and you know, everybody. The art crews were painting murals and signs, and the hippie, the hippie carpenters were up there with their shirts off, hammering and sawing and building the stage. And there were tractors, you know, setting up bulldozers and tractors, moving amplifiers, and and I just walked around and photographed everything. And then suddenly one day, 
there was 400, 500,000 people standing there. And that happened in a two-day period. You know, people just started showing up before they even had the fences up. Oh, so that's wow. why it became, a, it became a free concert. You know, they never did have anyone collect the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And I, and of course, yeah, and I, I spent most of my time on stage because it was hard to get through that crowd, you know, but, and, and all everything I needed to take was right there on stage. And it was great to look out over the audience. You could photograph the audience in one direction and the performers in the other direction. So when the performers were up there, and so obviously everybody was there all at one time, right? So it's like nobody, and there was a constant movement. No, 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 no. I mean, well, the audience was right there right. for three days standing. No, but the performers, well, they couldn't come by car or van or bus because all the roads were closed. Okay. So they had to helicopter in. So they would, you know, helicopters would arrive all the time with the next act or the act for that evening, you okay. know, or the various, the various acts for that evening. But hardly anyone, I mean, nobody spent the night at the festival because, I mean, except for the people who slept right in the field, you know, <laughs> they just slept right where they were standing all day. They had sleeping bags and, and stuff and blankets. But uh, all the groups had the helicopter back to New York City. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, we had Greg Raleigh on the show many, many, many years ago, obviously one of the founding members of Santana. And Greg was telling yeah. us a story that I'm not sure where they were, but he says they were in a bunch of traffic, and there was this blue Corvette that was kind of weaving in and out, just kind of you know driving erratically. <laughs> yeah. And they were trying to get around this guy. When they finally got around him, and, mm -hmm. and Greg was driving, and he looked over and he saw the driver of the blue Corvette, and it was Jimi Hendrix. Now I don't know, you know, I'm I'm oh gonna I'm gonna say that that's possible, you know, because didn't yeah. Hendrix had a studio there in New York, and this was upstate New York, right? Yeah, no, you know, I know that Jimi Hendrix, uh, uh, probably the only person, uh, the only act that he had rented a little cottage up there near Woodstock. Okay. And he'd been up there, he was up there for a couple of weeks uh, rehearsing. Because I, I met the conga player, I forget his name, but he played conga there in the, in the Hendrix Experience. And um, he said Jimmy was there practicing every day. He was, he was practicing playing the Star Spangled Banner. Well, then... So, so he, very so he well probably... He could have yeah, very well had his car, right? Yeah, yeah. He probably is going back to his little, uh, his little rented home somewhere. Okay. I mean, I didn't know that at the time, but I, I learned that a few years ago. Okay. All right. Um, uh, obviously, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young were there, right? And they were uh, a big hit yep. on stage. Yep. And uh, so, yep. what was what was the? I mean, at, at, how old were you at this stage? You were in your probably late twenties, early thirties, right? I was, I was thirty. Okay, so thirty-one. 31. I was born in thirty-eight, so okay, so yeah. What's it like? For, and and this goes back to this question I was going to ask you, like about Loyal Canyon. So you've got all these musicians and celebrities and actors and all kinds of really, in a way, kind of public figures um, from the entertainment world, so to speak. All kind of, yeah. you know, hanging around, being casual. Did you guys have any concept of who you were with 
and the oh, the yeah. status of the people. But was it was it more or less just like a casual thing and no big deal to anybody back in those days? Well, well, you know, like I said, there was never a moment when all of the performers were there at one time. There would only be, you know, two or three at at one time because they would play their set and then they would leave. Okay, you know, go back to New York or wherever. Uh, you know, Arlo Guthrie was there. He lived in Massachusetts. Um, you know, they had their own ways of getting in and out. I say mostly by helicopter. Um, and so there was there wasn't a, there wasn't a big dressing room area. There was um, at the back of the big stage. There was a little bridge that went over the street, that, a little a little country road at the back of the stage, and there was a field. And they set up some chairs and things uh, where people could sit. Actually, there was a they, they had a tarp over it because it rained, you know. Uh, there, um, so there was there was never, you know, forty or fifty famous people together at one time, you know. Okay. <laughs> so it was, you know, and the main thing was, I mean, there you had that audience of four hundred and fifty thousand people standing there, right? And then you had the big stage right there at the bottom of the hill, and that's where all the activity went on. And and that's that was my focus, you know, being there. I wasn't hanging out, you know, in some trailer somewhere. I, I was up on stage the whole time photographing. Looking for that Kodak moment, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Documenting, you know, Doc trying to catch trying to catch it all, you know. Let's talk about the Miami. Let's see, that was called the Miami Pop Festival. That was what, 1969, 70, yep. somewhere? That was afterwards, right? Uh, no. No, that, that was, was before. That was, yeah, that was, okay, right. But, you know, there was, it gets confusing because there were two of them. Oh, there was? And Michael Lang, Michael Lang actually had one, and I think Jimi Hendrix played at it. And I'm, the one I went to was in 68. Okay. Um, I mean, gosh, who did it have? Uh, <laughs> It had, I mean, it, it had a lot of well-known people. It had um, well, Three Dog Night. Okay. Um, uh, the Turtles played there. The, gosh, you know, I'm an old guy now. I can't think of names <laughs> very well. <laughs> uh, well, you're doing very well, <laughs> I don't tell you. I mean, there were a lot of, I mean, there were no, like, really huge name groups, uh -huh. I guess. Um, but there were a lot of acts, and, and that was great. And then Monterey Pop, of course, was the year before that, 67. Mm -hmm. And then 68 was Miami Pop Festival, and then 69 was Woodstock. And a lot of the same people who were uh, worked in the crew at Monterey Pop and Miami Pop were working at Woodstock. All the, all the professional crew guys and builders, you know, and okay. sound creating guys and all. Yeah. How, your relationship with uh, America, the duo with uh, Dewey and uh, yeah. and Jerry. Tell us how that how that came about because yeah. you did some album covers for well, them too, America. I did. I did five or six. Oh wow! <laughs> I think well, they were a trio at first. You know, in the early days, there was um, Jerry Beckley, Dan Peake, uh, Dan, Dan Peake, Peake, right? And, and Dewey and Dewey Bunnell. Um and then Dan Peake. <clears throat> Uh, left us and went to the other side, and so there are two remaining. But I, they, they came to town already famous. You know, they were uh, high school boys in in London, in England, and they were army brats. Their fathers were officers in the air force, um, an army. 
And they wrote, you know, Dewey wrote that song, um, his famous song, Been Through the Desert with the Horse. So no name, name, right. <laughs> yeah. He wrote that song in England, and it became a huge hit. Uh, and in fact, it knocked Neil Young off the number one spot, you know, on the Billboard 100. <laughs> and it was, it sounded like Neil Young. Neil Young's father heard that song and thought it was his son. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they, when they came to town, they right away um, were managed by Geffen Roberts. Um, and, and, and they managed Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Crosby, So Smash, Coco. They managed all these great groups. And so my partner Gary Burton and I usually did all the photos for them, album covers and publicity photos. So right away they asked us to photograph these young kids from London, and we got to be really good friends. So Dewey and Jerry are, are a couple of my very best friends in the world. Oh, wow. Uh, to this day. Yeah, Jerry has become quite a photographer. And so every single day, Jerry sends me a couple of pictures he's taken, you know, and we comment back and forth. He's over in Australia right now. Uh-huh. And he, he calls me FaceTime, you know, all the time. And every time the phone rings and it's him FaceTime, and I, it's always him laying down with a white pillow behind him because he's in a hotel or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 an interesting, um, I don't know if it's a, or let's just call it an observation, but you, Stephen Stills, Jim Morrison, uh, America, uh, and I'm sure, and uh, David Crosby, a lot of you guys were army brats. And, uh, yeah. and, and interestingly enough, they, not you, most of those guys wrote protest songs. Well, if you if, just just an observation, I just you know. And wait a minute, and all these guys, not only the army brats, but every one of them, their father was, you know, an officer, like you said, and uh, yeah. And that's just only a few that you know. Uh, and I thought, well, now that's kind well, of interesting. And then, and well, Morrison yeah, well, is from Florida. Stephen Stills is also yeah. from Florida. Yeah, you know that's true. I mean, uh, Jim Morrison's dad was an admiral in the right. navy. Uh, Stephen's dad was, I think, a sergeant in the army in the Panama Canal Zone. Um, you know, we said America, their dads were Air Force officers. My father was in the State Department, mm-hmm. and I lived overseas and went to American schools with lots of army brats. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what we could uh, make of that, <laughs> except that it happened, you know? I mean, uh, it's kind of an accident. I mean, there's... I mean, Crosby's father wasn't in the army. He was a a, a famous thought, cinematographer. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he, I, and, I must misread that. No, but, but that's funny that you said that. I'll have to think about that some more. And I don't know what that means, you know. <laughs> How about actors? Now I know you filmed Jack Nicholson a lot. How about other actors? Were you ever? Did you ever do Steve McQueen or anybody like that, or Paul Newman or anybody? No. No, I, I didn't. Um, I take the, you know, every once in a while, I mean, Harrison Ford. Okay. Because he hung around, hung around with all of us hippies and, and peace and love hippies. And, um, yeah, uh, um, uh, Jack Nicholson, because he was, uh, he wrote the Monkees movie, Head. He was one of the writers and producers on that. And I was working, photographing the Monkees for Teeny Bopper magazines. But I never actually, you know, really filmed on music. Yeah. 
mostly music for me, okay. not movies. Okay. Um, so basically, L.A. area, you mentioned San Francisco, and you mentioned the dead earlier, the Grateful Dead. And then now Santana's from up our area, Janis Joplin. Yeah. Any of those actors, or I mean uh, musicians, did you film any of those guys, take pictures of them? Well, you know, um, I didn't really photograph the Grateful Dead very much, except David Crosby, when he did his first solo album, if I, if I, could, if I could only remember my name, <laughs> uh, he wanted me to go up to San Francisco and photograph all the musicians that played on that album. So we spent a day at, at Grace Slick and Paul Kantner's house. Oh, Starship, that's right. Yep. Yeah, and Jimi Hendrix came over and Phil Lesh came over and a few people came over. We spent the afternoon just sitting around talking and they were playing music and laughing. And, and I photographed them all. So, and they're all on the inside of his album. Um, but I never really hung out in San Francisco much. You know, I wasn't part of That was a different music scene, you know. What but, was, I, but I did see them. I saw them all at, at Monterey. I mean, I saw Janis Joplin at Monterey uh, Festival, Monterey Pop. Okay. And, uh, you know, Big Brother and the Holding Company and some of those groups. But I, I pretty much stuck to L.A. Okay, because you had uh, Chocolate Watch Band. You had uh, the Doobie Brothers, obviously. they were in. Uh, these are all late 60s. They're from the San Jose area. Uh, and yeah. so I, did you do any of those guys at all? Well, yeah, over the years, you know, not in San Francisco, but yeah, I went on the road with the Doobie Brothers, I think one weekend, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, two or three concerts. I've met them all since then, but in the heyday, uh, I was busy in L.A. pretty much. Okay. How, and to... to, to, to how does it work with an album cover? Do they basically contact you and say, hey, Henry, uh, you took some pictures of this band, let's just say. What do you have for really cool photography or photographs that we could use for an album mm. cover? Yeah. I mean, was that was were photographs used frequently back in those days? Well, yeah, you know, nowadays it, it might work that, that way because people are, are putting out compilation albums and they want photos from back in the day. But at the time, no, it would, be, it would work two different ways. One, a photographer would get a call from a record company okay. saying, we want you to photograph this group because they're recording for us and we need a photo. But in my case, I, I didn't really work for record companies mostly. I worked for the artists themselves. Okay. Because I knew them all, you know. Right. And literally, I mean, people knew who I was and, and they knew that I was a low-key kind of a guy and wasn't going to get pushy, you know, or do something stupid. And I was easy to get along with, you know. So the group, the group manager usually would call me and my partner, Gary Byrne, the graphic artist, and say, hey, now we need a picture of, the, of these guys for their new album, you know. And then we had this thing where we would say, well, let's get the group and go on an adventure and get them out of town, away from their girlfriends, away from their managers, and we'll have an adventure. And then Gary would say to me, Henry, photograph everything that happens. Film's the cheapest part. (laughs) 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 But I I knew that anyway. Of course, I photographed everything. And then we take the Eagles and go and spend the night out in the desert in Joshua Tree. Or we take America and drive up to Big Sur and spend the night up there in Big Sur and you know, stop along the way and take pictures. And we used to always do that. We'd get the group and go off somewhere. 
I mean, the doors, we didn't go out of town, but we went we went down to the Morrison Hotel, found that, took those pictures, and then we went then we went to Skid Row to get a drink after that, and we were looking at all the little bars, and we, we saw, oh, look on the next corner, Hard Rock Cafe. Let's go in there and have a beer. Well, no one had heard of the Hard Rock Cafe before, um, and when we put the album out on the back of the Morrison Hotel album, there's a picture of the Hard Rock Cafe. And when that album came out, they got a call from London, and a voice on the phone said, would you guys mind... Would you mind if we use that name? We're starting a cafe here in London. And we like to call it the Hard Rock Cafe. And they said, sure, go right ahead. And that was funny. That one day was the beginning of the whole Hard Rock Cafe empire and and, and, and the beginning of our Morrison Hotel Gallery. It's kind of funny. It must have been a heavy, astral, astrologically heavy day, right? Wow, 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 wow. Henry, we have a few minutes left. We're probably going to have to do a part three down the road sometime. But let me ask you this real quick. Sure. How about yeah. during the MTV era? Okay, when when MTV was on on you know on on TV back in the yeah. in the eighties, were you ever involved? 80s, right. Yeah, were you ever involved? Did you were you able to contribute to yeah. anything going on with MTV? Well, you know, not MTV itself, but. Of course, every group had to do videos for right. MTV, right? And so that was a that was a wonderful opportunity to photograph. And through the eighties, I mean, I, I, I probably shot three to five. I mean, I worked taking stills on video sets at least three days a week. You know, three different ones every week. Because, I mean, I worked for Capitol Records a lot, and they would say, "Oh, you know," I'm trying to think of names now. You know. So and so, Bob Seeger is doing a video. We want you to go and hang out on the set and photograph, you know, take photos. And so it was perfect because you're there all day long with the musicians, you know, and they're and they're well dressed, they're lighted, they're singing, and and the and the song is recorded. It's not a live. They're not playing live, so you can click away right in the middle of the whole thing. And you don't, you don't get, you know, your your camera click doesn't doesn't hurt anything. So you, so it's pretty much free reign. You could, I take so many photos on a video set. It was a great opportunity uh, to, to do that. Hundreds of them, hundreds. I mean, if I could remember names, I'd start rattling them off. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> virtually everybody, you know. Wow. I mean, and, and Nancy Wilson. I did, you know, a, a, a bunch of those and and. Uh, you know, but just to name one, I mean, there were a hundred, you know, just, just just everybody. Well, Henry, it sounds like you've had, and you're still having, an amazing career. I want to wish you all the best of luck here with the Morrison Hotel Gallery. And obviously, if anybody wants to find out more about it, they go to morrisonhotelgallery.com, correct? That is right. That is right, man. Just look up whatever you want. <laughs> okay, sounds look good. Names, look up names, names of groups or names of photographers or, or, or whatever, and you can order pictures there if you want. Yeah. Well, are you, cool, uh, we got a, a, a second or two here. Are you working on any project, anything that you're working on where you might end up coming to Florida anytime in the next year or so? Well, you never know. I mean, in June, I'm going over to England to shoot Glastonbury, uh-huh. which is like the English Woodstock, you know? Oh, really? Like Florida. Yeah. 
I imagine I'll get there one of these days. I mean, I've been to Florida many times. I used to shoot Jimmy Buffett. He oh. lived down there in, in Florida. I go hang out with him and take photos on his boat. Uh, yeah. Down in the Keys. Well, anyway, yeah, in the Keys, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Henry, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us. I definitely want to have you back again. And uh, it was truly a treat. And I wish you the best of luck. And, uh, you know, say hi to Tom when you see cool, him. Robert. And say hi to Rich. And, uh, yeah. Let's see if we I can will. definitely do this again. And uh, I, I, I'm really yeah. thrilled that you came on the show and uh, look forward to meeting you. Yeah. Okay, Robert. Very right. good. Well, we'll do it again for sure. Okay. Well, thank you very much and all the best okay. again. Okay. I want to thank my special guest. Bye bye. Take care, Henry. My special guest, Henry Dills, a legendary photographer who's got some amazing pictures. Check out Morrison Hotel Gallery. You might be pretty impressed with some of the stuff on there. It's a trip through memory lane. Write down music, everybody. So in the meantime, don't forget, check us out here every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tent Talk Radio Network right here in downtown Clearwater between 7 and 8 p.m. Tell your friends. In the meantime, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.